See, I am coming soon. My reward is with me to repay according to everyone's work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they will have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. It is I, Jesus, who sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let everyone who hears say, come, and let everyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who wishes to take the water of life as a gift. The one who testifies to these things says, surely, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. Thank you, Emma Catherine Phelps, for the beautiful reading of the scripture. And thank you, Chancel Choir, for that very moving anthem. I've not heard that version, and very, very pretty. Today is our last Sunday in the Easter season series from the book of Revelation. Our overarching theme for these weeks together has been God wins. And if you take nothing else with you today from this service, Take that thought with you and remember that when things are good and when things are difficult, God wins. When all is said and done, God's still in charge. We talked about the Lamb and the throne, two images of God from the book of Revelation. The Lamb reminds us of that tender, merciful, gentle side of God. And the throne reminds us of the authoritative, powerful, all-in-charge side of God. And those two sides together... That's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus. And I hope you'll remember that this day and always. We have a God who cares, a God who loves us, but a God who's able to do something about all the obstacles and all the hurt and all the sorrow in this world. And there's much of that. We've talked about the victory that's claimed by the throne and the Lamb, the reminder that God wins, that God has a victory over all the forces of darkness and evil in this world, and, and they're there. Brad Craddock used to remind us there's another team on the field, and we forget that sometimes. And then we talked about, Andrew, last week, about God makes all things new. And today I want to talk about, for just a few moments now, living water. Living water, it's free to all who will come and drink. The very grace of God is what living water and flowing water represents in the New Testament and throughout the Bible, and evil powers, victory over them, and it empowers us to lead victorious lives now and always. The book of Revelation scares some folks and frightens some folks, and there are some strange things there, I will concede. But just know that the book of Revelation is like a vessel, like a large vessel, and when you open it, it's overflowing with hope. And I hope you'll hear those words of hope today, all of you and, and our seniors as well, all the days of your life. I grew up in a neighborhood where there was an elderly couple who lived right up the street from us, Mr. and Mrs. Young. I thought that a strange name for an older couple at the time. And they had a grandson, Doug, who visited with us on the south side of Atlanta where I grew up. And he was from the north side of Atlanta, a very well-to-do section. And whenever he came around, all of us would flock over to the Young's house to see what kind of new gadget or gizmo or 
toy or whatever he might have with him. He always had something brand new, something none of the rest of us had. And one day we'd been playing tackle football in Doug's granddaddy's front yard without the benefit of pads and helmets. That explains a lot, I, I know. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Young had the greatest football play in front yard in the whole wide world, or at least the whole wide world as we knew it at that time, which wasn't very wide. We'd been playing for quite a while. They had gotten hot and tired and thirsty. It was summertime. So we all went around to the back of the house and sat on the steps leading up to the back porch and sat in the shade. And we asked Doug if he could find us something to drink. We didn't care. Coca-Cola, iced tea, water. We would have settled for water. And he just said no. He said no. I can't believe it still that he told us no. And then he reached in his pocket and he pulled out one of these little cellophane packs of salted peanuts and threw that to us. You remember, think about that, dying of thirst right there within sight of my house. And the boy offered us salted peanuts. My memory fails me at this point. I really don't know why we didn't rise up and just beat the life out of him. <laughs> but I do think it's because our mamas would have found out about it before we even got home. Thirst is a basic kind of thing. What's the thirstiest that you've ever been? Can you think about that? The thirstiest you've ever been without immediate access to water. And salt water won't do the trick with it. If you're near the ocean or in the ocean, that's not going to help Coleridge, writing in the rhyme of the ancient mariner, and I know some of you have studied that poem, no doubt, was describing a vessel on the ocean. No available drinking water. And he wrote these words. He said, water, water everywhere, and all the boards did shrink. Water, water everywhere, nor any drop to drink. Thirst is a basic desire to sustain life and health. We need water. Physicians, nutritionists tell us about how much water we need to drink every day, and I don't know if any of you do that. I don't reach that level unless you count coffee, but it matters that we stay hydrated. Anyway, like air and sunshine, water is required to maintain life on this planet and in our own lives. I remember they sent me to my first church. I grew up in Atlanta, on the south side of Atlanta. And they sent me to my first church, a little town, just out in the country. And folks there seemed obsessed with all they talked about, it seemed like for a while, was, was the lack of rainfall. And I, I didn't get that, really, because growing up, the only time I thought about rain was when it kept us from doing something outside that we really wanted to do, like playing football in Mr. Young's front yard. I didn't think much about rainfall, but these folks lived closer to the land than I did. And it meant a lot to them, this getting the water that was needed. And droughts in some places are not only expensive, they're life-threatening. Thomas Fuller said one time, we never know the worth of water till the well runs dry. I don't know if any of you still have well water at your places, but you know what he's saying. The scriptures are full of references to water, especially to living water, things that all our humanity can identify with. So when the Bible was to communicate to people the need for God and how important it was that we have a relationship with God, they talked about it in terms, the writer said, in terms of being thirsty and drinking water. And the Bible opens with a reference to water. The Spirit of God was hovering, was moving over the face of the waters. And then there are so many references in Nehemiah. You did give them bread from heaven for their hunger and bring forth water from the rock for their thirst. And several of the Psalms refer to thirst. 
and speak of that and our need for God. Psalm 42, you may know that little praise course. As a deer panteth for the water, so my soul cries out for thee, for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Psalm 63, God, you are my God. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. As in a dry and weary land where there's no water. And then another psalm, I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. We're created with a thirst for God. All of us are. And we sometimes try to assuage that thirst, try to take care of that thirst by accumulating a lot of stuff or a lot of money or a lot of power or a lot of prestige or a lot of influence. And sometimes we get involved with mind-altering substances that are harmful or irresponsible relationships that damage us and, and damage other people. So you name it, folks have tried it. And deep down there's a thirst in us that won't go away until we receive that grace of God and it begins to flow through our souls and then we can move on with our lives. Living water is offered freely without cost. Isaiah is a prophet and reminds us that we come to the waters. Let everyone come, even those who have no money. Come on. And New Testament references to water are everywhere. During the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And Jesus said to the woman at the well, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is offering you or asking for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And whoever drinks of this water, whoever builds that relationship with Jesus the Christ won't be thirsty anymore. The living water, the flowing water, the grace of God will come into our lives and we find the strength we need to move from one place in our lives to another. In John's gospel, Jesus also said, those who believe in me will never thirst, never be thirsty. And again, if anyone thirsts, let them come to me and, and drink. And the importance of living water, flowing water in the scripture cannot be overstated. Living water represents the grace of God. It's that simple. Springs in the wilderness were life-giving, life-sustaining. Springs were usually in the valley. Water came out between the strata of the rock. And it became a gift of God's grace to human beings. Living water means flowing water, moving water, the grace of God kind of water. And it's there for you today and all the days of your life. The fountain of living water, Jeremiah called it. Now, the absence of a lot of rivers and streams in what we call the Holy Land now in Israel and surrounding areas meant that people relied on springs of water. And where those springs were, they built towns and villages and settlement and life Passion came, took place around that. Hold your hands under those cool waters if you can imagine that when you're tired and hot and thirsty, like a stream flowing through the Bible. And these new Bibles that have been given to the seniors this day and the Bibles you have, there's just no way to read through them without getting your hands wet. There are so many references to water and to living water in Scripture. God's bringing you to a good land, a land flowing with streams and springs and underground waters all through the Bible. And in the New Testament, the rabbis taught that where there's flowing water, there's the grace of God. And a lot of the towns that could not afford to build synagogues, church-like buildings where people worshiped and learned, where they would worship if they didn't have a church building, a synagogue kind of building, would be down by the riverside, down by the flowing water. And that's where they would gather. And Paul and his friends in Philippi were looking for the believers. And there was not a synagogue, so they went 
down by the riverside. And they found a group of women there. And one of them was named Lydia, who was a worshiper of God. And they opened their hearts to God and they were baptized. And we were reminded of the importance of baptism this morning with little Howie. The flowing water of God. The water that washes away and restores our soul. Shall we gather at the river? Streams of mercy, never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. The one who sits upon the throne says to the thirsty, I will give water from the fountain of the water of life without payment. It's all free. That's what I want to remind us of. And that's hard for some of us. We want to pay for something. We don't want to be indebted or obligated or obliged to anybody. It's free, this grace of God that I hope you'll let flow through your life this day and all the days of your life that stretch out before you. St. Augustine once made that statement that has been quoted so many times. You have made us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless till they rest in you. And then we find our rest in God. We find the flowing water, the living water, the water that quenches the thirst, the water of life. And it's free. It's free. I don't know if any of you remember the day when restaurants began charging for a glass of water. And most don't do that anymore. But for a while, that was a big deal. And one guy writing in the Macon paper wrote a column. He said he couldn't handle that. That was silly, charging people for water. And then he thought about it a little bit longer. He said, well, I'll get a water bill at my house. Even if I've got a well, electricity has to run the pump. They don't give electricity away. So free water, that was hard for people to understand. But the living water that God offers is free. Without cost, it comes to us. No price tag. The price has already been paid. And the only thing about that gift is we have to accept it. So I want you to consider your life, especially our seniors who have so much before them, so many decades of life to live, but all of us too. Great joys and great hopes and great celebrations, promises to be fulfilled. But there will be those days when there are disappointments and dissatisfaction and needs not being met and worries and doubts and fears. And when that happens... Maybe the underlying cause is we're just thirsty. Jesus is the living water. He's there for you today and all the days of your life. May they be long and may they be blessed by the grace of God. Amen.